0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Fantasy Consiglary Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Chapin. For this week's episode, I'm going to stick strictly to Week 10 advice by giving my thoughts on each of the main positions. At quarterback, the status of Josh Allen remains unclear after suffering an elbow injury against the Jets, but I get the feeling he could miss some time, so we currently have him out of the Week 10 rankings, and instead Patrick Mahomes against the Jaguars takes the top spot We usually have Allen or Jalen Hurts as the number one quarterback. But Mahomes, for the same reason, I said Devontae Adams was my top wideout for Week 9. Should be able to put up numbers versus a shaky secondary for Jacksonville. I'll hit on the Kansas City wideouts later, but Mahomes has plenty of weapons. And a monster 400-yard day wouldn't be a surprise for him in Week 10. As the QB2, no surprise with Jalen Hurts. But at number three and four, Tua Tagovailoa and Justin Fields. For Tua, he's been excellent with that high-powered supporting cast, and I don't think a bye week will be enough for the Browns to have any answers for Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell. And Fields has been completely unleashed as a runner over the past month, and I think that's carried over to making him more comfortable as a passer. So although the Lions had a great defensive game against the Packers last week, Fields has been on fire, and a case could be made for him as a top-five option for the rest of the season. And for those troubling a quarterback, he also gets a great matchup in Week 11 versus the Texans. Jumping down to number eight and number nine, Kyler Murray versus the Rams and Justin Herbert versus the 49ers, with both games being on the road. Murray has routinely struggled versus LA, including earlier this season when he had just 13.36 fantasy points despite 58 pass attempts. So struggles for some other quarterbacks keeps Murray in the top 10, but I don't think the ceiling is that high versus the Rams. So I'd rather play someone like Geno Smith or Dak Prescott, who are both ahead of him in our rankings. For Herbert, not having Keenan Allen or Mike Williams decreases his upside. Maybe the firepower for San Francisco will lead to a shootout on Sunday night, but I don't think Herbert will return high-end QB1 value without his top playmakers unless he were to suddenly do more damage as a runner. And number 10 on the other side of that Sunday night football matchup, Jimmy Garoppolo. Basically, he could be an every-week QB1 on an offense with Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel. Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle. And Jimmy G has thrown for multiple touchdowns in each of his past four games before the bye week. So I like him to stay hot on Sunday night. And to finish off the quarterbacks, three of the disappointing options this season, Aaron Rodgers is our QB 14, Russell Wilson is our QB 18, and Matthew Stafford is our QB 19 for this week. Rodgers maybe is a little bit too high based on how Green Bay's offense has operated. Rodgers is definitely missing open players, and them continuing to not play through Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon has put too much pressure on the passing attack. But Rodgers has historically played pretty well versus Dallas, so we'll see if really being in a hole for the Packers leads to them finally breaking through. In general, I have more faith in Rodgers figuring things out than I do Wilson or Stafford. Wilson, I think, needs to run if he's going to somehow reach QB1 Heights this season. But Stafford, I don't know what the fix would be. He's averaging 11.1 fantasy points per game. So both guys are low-end QB2 options. That probably should be closer to the waiver wire than your starting lineup unless you're in a two-quarterback or super flex league. Now jumping to the running backs, the top four shouldn't be a surprise. Saquon Barkley at the top versus a league-worst Houston run defense. Christian McCaffrey versus a Chargers team that struggles versus the run. a Fresh Nick Chubb coming off the bye versus Miami. And Derrick Henry, the only reason he's at number four is because it's the toughest matchup over the four versus Denver. But at number five, assuming he plays, is Jonathan Hiller versus the Raiders. The shocking switch from Frank Reich after he was fired to former Pro Bowl center Jeff Saturday as the Colts head coach is probably one of the craziest NFL storylines in recent memory. But I actually like the move. Reich was way too pass happy during his tenure and Saturday might be able to fix the offensive line and commit to Taylor and the ground game. Some have said this is a tanking move for Indy, but I don't think so. I don't think Saturday would have taken the job without the expectation they'd be trying to win. So if Taylor is healthy enough to play, I assume he'll be featured, and the running game will be given more of a commitment by Saturday after it was very inconsistent under Reich. If Taylor doesn't end up playing, Deion Jackson would likely be an RB2 option, despite disappointing last week. But I also wouldn't be surprised if Philip Lindsay, as more of a no-nonsense runner, is viewed favorably by Saturday and gets some extended run. So if it looks like Taylor's out, Lindsay I think is someone worth keeping an eye on in deeper leagues, especially after Jackson got banged up in Week 9. There are a few backfield splits that are worth talking about this week. In Dallas, owner Jerry Jones said it will be Ezekiel Elliott's show following the bye so we have him as a solid RB2 option and Tony Pollard being more of a low-end RB2 flex with upside. I know most fantasy people routinely scoff at the Cowboys committing to Zeke, but I actually agree with Jones that Elliott is a tone setter and getting him going will be key for Dallas if they want to make a run in the NFL playoffs. The split for Detroit's backfield is due to injury or at least DeAndre Swift being at less than 100%. So we have Jamal Williams as the RB20 and Swift as the RB21 for this week. I thought we'd see Swift used in space a little more last week despite a limited role. So maybe that'll come against a slower Chicago defense with Roquan Smith gone. But without handling goal line work, which he wasn't doing at full health, and obviously not handling close to a full workload, makes Swift a risky RB2 and someone that it might be worth looking into trading. If he has a big game because of the chances he's eventually shut down for the season once Detroit falls out of playoff contention. And at the same time, Williams could be someone worth investing in if the owner in your league still views him as more of a flex option than RB2. And the Lions are entering that stretch with, I guess it's three games in 12 days with them playing on Thanksgiving. So that's something else to keep in mind for those hoping Swift will suddenly be featured again. I would definitely have my doubts. Again, a lot of backfield splits to talk about. The other one with two guys that could definitely be worth a weekly start is in Miami with Raheem Moster and Jeff Wilson Jr. Remember the Dolphins traded a fifth round pick to acquire Wilson from the 49ers, which is a pretty hefty price considering it's a veteran running back and looking ahead to the 2023 draft class. So they clearly want Wilson to be a huge part of the offense and they also know Mostert's history with injuries could have left them vulnerable there if they didn't acquire Wilson. So we have them as the RB26 and RB27 this week. Mostert did see a goal line carry against the Bears so I give him the slight edge on Sunday but hopefully you held on to Wilson following the Christian McCaffrey trade and can use him in lineups as a strong flex option. The Kansas City backfield Arguably doesn't have a reliable start right now, but I'd still invest in Isaiah Pacheco as someone that can pay dividends as the season progresses. He was completely bottled up versus Tennessee, but Kansas City was simply beaten up front, and the talent of the rookie can still lead to him breaking out for a team that should try to create balance ahead of the postseason. And it's notable that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire played just 17% of the offensive snaps on Sunday night, so there are signs that Pacheco can completely take over the backfield and would have plenty of upside in that offense. Then finishing off with the Rams backfield, Cam Akers didn't have a big role against the Bucks, which was expected. And I still believe that Kyron Williams is the guy you want long-term, both this season and in Dynasty Leagues. For this week, if Williams plays, the Cardinals are a plus matchup. And as I've said repeatedly, In previous weeks, his pass protection is something that could provide a significant boost to the L.A. offense considering their struggles. So Williams, if he's still available, should be one of the top waiver ads of the week. And before moving on, he probably doesn't have value for this week, but another rookie, Isaiah Spiller, saw his most action of the season with seven carries for 29 yards against Atlanta. But the play that doesn't show up in the box score was him stoning someone in pass protection, and he was fired up afterwards. I don't even think the play resulted in anything for the Chargers, but the coaching staff surely saw it, and maybe it will lead to more work for Spiller, as the number two option behind Austin Eckler. And based purely on talent, he's someone we are very high on, and now would be the time to buy in Dynasty Leagues while his value is at its lowest. At wide receiver, I'll start by staying in Los Angeles. Cooper Cup has actually been contained pretty well by the Cardinals in recent matchups. He's still a high-end wide receiver one, but perhaps this will be a spot where Allen Robinson is able to have a nice game. He was targeted twice in the red zone from the four-yard line in the first matchup, with both coming on the game's opening drive. Both targets ended up incomplete, but there are signs of the chemistry improving some with Matthew Stafford, and Robinson made a couple of tough catches last week. So hopefully there are opportunities for Robinson to finally break out. And I like his chances of finding the end zone despite the struggles. On the other side of the field for that matchup is DeAndre Hopkins, who will do battle with longtime rival Jalen Ramsey. Some of Hopkins' plays versus Ramsey have made highlight reels over the years, but he's actually been held in check. Just looking at the past two years since joining the Cardinals, Hopkins has had yardage totals of 52, 35, 67, and 54 with only one touchdown in matchups against the Rams. So I'd say he's more of a high-end wide receiver 2 than he is a mid-range wide receiver 1, especially considering the overall state of the Cardinals at 3-6, and and they'll now have the hard knock spotlight on them. Overall, there probably isn't much more to discuss for the clear starting options at wide receiver. Mike Evans has a tough on-paper draw versus Seattle as a big-bodied option on the outside but he seems due for a touchdown with no scores over the past five games. DJ Moore went off against the Falcons a couple of weeks ago and should be in position to have a nice night on Thursday night with P.J. Walker still under center for Carolina. Darnell Mooney gets a great matchup against the Lions coming off his best game in the season. And George Pickens sees a more solidified outlook as a wide receiver three option with Chase Claypool now in Chicago. So he shouldn't go overlooked coming off the bye. And Michael Hardman also makes the wide receiver three ranks coming off another great game for him. And he saw a season high nine targets. So any increased involvement for Kadarius Tony, I think would come at the expense of Marquise Valdez scaling and certainly Sky Moore rather than Hardman based on his recent play. So for Tony, he notably started his team debut for Kansas City, but then was sort of phased out of the offense as the game progressed on Sunday night. It is encouraging that he saw the game's opening target on a quick bubble pass out of the slot. And something that caught my attention was Andy Reid saying he was extremely impressed by Tony's blocking. I didn't notice that live. They don't always give you a good view of the wideouts on run plays. But I did notice Tony was hustling around after the play to help pick up his teammates. So if his attitude and effort are improved with achieves, the there's no reason with the skill set he has that Tony can't make an impact in 2022. And if you're desperate this week, I think he's worth a gamble versus Jacksonville because as stated, they seem lost in coverage at times. So maybe some of the creativity from Andy Reid will be on display this week. The other flyers I'll mention quickly are Terrace Marshall Jr., Versus the Falcons, he's come on in recent weeks with an expanded role. And the second year wideout has the size to continue making plays, including in scoring territory. And for the Giants, Wandale Robinson and Darius Slayton should be their top wideouts, perhaps for the rest of the season, depending on if they were to sign Odell Beckham Jr. But if Saquon Barkley doesn't completely dominate, then there should be production there to be had for both Slayton And Robinson this week. And for the Green Bay offense, Romeo Dobbs is unfortunately set to miss four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain. So Sammy Watkins, I think, can have some flex value, but he wasn't always on the same page with Rodgers last week. So if you want a high upside option, Christian Watson, assuming he can clear the concussion protocol, should have every opportunity to emerge with Dobbs out of the lineup. And staying on the field has really been the big issue for Watson so far to begin his career. Finally, the tight ends for Week 10. Mark Andrews is on a bye. So Dallas Goddard is again the overall tight end two behind Travis Kelsey. Goddard had a 20-point performance last Thursday night. And the Commanders are allowing, I think, the fourth-fewest fantasy points per game to opposing tight ends. But Goddard has played well against them in the past. So hopefully he has a big game on Monday night. Also in the top five, assuming he returns, is Darren Waller versus the Colts. And after being very stingy versus tight ends in 2021, the Colts haven't been so this season. So Waller will be back as a top five option, assuming he's on the field for Week 10. The guy outside the top five in a rankings that I'm most excited about is Taysom Hill facing the Steelers. Saints head coach Dennis Allen has said there's no consideration to benching Andy Dalton, but Hill threw a pass. In the second half of Monday night's game, that was completed to Chris Olave. And you could tell the velocity difference with Hill throwing the ball. And there was definitely a pop from the crowd as he completed the pass. I'd say Allen is serious in not wanting to bench Dalton because he feels he brings a steady presence to the quarterback position. But I'd anticipate them finding more ways to get Hill involved in order to climb out of the three and six start. It seems all the Former quarterbacks even, with Steve Young being the latest example, believe that Hill should be featured. Young basically said the Saints are dominant when he's on the field, and the numbers have supported that belief. So if Hill is still available in your league, I definitely pick him up and hope that the Saints at least install more plays for him, whether it be at quarterback, tight end, or as a wildcat option. Also in the top 10 is, despite recent struggles, Tyler Higbee versus Arizona. The Cardinals don't do a good job at all defending tight ends, so maybe Sunday will be a spot where Higbee can re-emerge. And for the guys in the tight end one ranks, top 12 with tougher matchups, TJ Hawkinson versus Buffalo. The Vikings made it a point to get him involved in his team debut, but I still would rank him as a low-end option. We actually ranked him higher last week than this week, based on the matchup. And Pat Framruth... Facing the Saints is in a similar position. He should see an increased role with Chase Claypool gone, but I'd view him as more of a low end option than solid tight end one for week 10. And then the other guys I would want to consider as a streamer are Mike Gesicki versus Cleveland, Greg Dulcich versus Tennessee, Kay Otten versus Seattle in the NFL's first Germany game, and Evan Ingram versus Kansas City for what will probably need to be a shootout if Jacksonville wants to have a chance. So that will conclude this episode. You can find our full rankings and analysis on WolfSports.com. And if you're a subscriber, we'll be happy to answer any questions you might have. Until next time, I'm Dylan Chappine, and this was the Fantasy Consigliary Podcast.